Welcome to Kaplan's Learn Better podcast. My name is Stuart Pedley-Smith, Head of Learning at Kaplan UK. In this series, you're going to hear from both students and experts as we take a look at a range of topics related to personal and career success in the world of accountancy and finance. My guest today is Anthony Clark. He's the Business Development Manager at AAT, with over a decade of experience within the education sector. It's sometimes easy to think that qualifying with one of the Level 7 accountancy bodies is the sole objective, and that somehow how you get there and what you do along the way really doesn't matter. But what you spend your time doing is important. The skills you learn, the industries you work in, the people that you meet. Also, you want to enjoy your job, gaining experience whilst at the same time keeping your options open. The exciting thing about a career in finance is at any one point you can branch out into a completely different area. And that's why Anthony's here today, to open up the world of possibility that a career in finance offers. Anthony, thanks for joining me today. Thanks a lot, Stuart. Really, uh, really pleased to be here today for, for such an important subject. Anthony, you've been in the industry for many years and you speak to a lot of employers. How would you describe the market just now for finance professionals, accountants generally? I think the market's really buoyant at the moment, to be honest, Stuart. Um, certainly the feedback from a number of clients that we're speaking to is that there seems to be a real real struggle to recruit at that senior qualified level at the moment. And as a reaction to that, what we're, what we're seeing playing out in the market is a far greater emphasis on investing organically and developing uh, their own talent for the future. We've seen really significant growth within apprenticeship programmes over recent times. And one particular area where we really are seeing talent challenges at the moment is within audit and speaking to clients and looking at their plans for this year ahead there's some really significant growth in new opportunities that are being opened up to people to to move into trainee audit roles to to develop from the start with that intention of moving into um into chartered qualifications and, and becoming qualified auditors so certainly um you know a lot of opportunities out there at the moment within uh, within accountancy roles what is it about audit is it it's a shortage of supply or is it an expanding market is you know one of the things with changing technology is audit expanding at the moment or i certainly think there is a real expansion in audit at the moment um i think the the resource demands on the clients that we're working with is significant where they're winning new contracts i was speaking to a client just the other day who said almost on a daily basis that they're winning a new client and there's an announcement in the business so there's a real need to to build resource within those teams and potentially driven by some of the changes that we found around hybrid working over recent years that whereas before people may have been put off of, of applying for roles geographically actually the you know talent is being accessed from all over the country which is really putting a strain at that higher level um, in terms of availability of uh, of well-qualified audit staff so that that's certainly something that we're seeing driving the market at the moment it's you know a potentially a shortage of talent certainly coupled with the fact that there's there's greater need uh, and that there's greater workload within that audit space at the moment yeah it's interesting byproduct of i suppose the changes in the last two years isn't it around employment i'd be interested to see what happens with things like property prices and things aren't it because suddenly somebody who would say well i'm not relocating or i'm not working you know so far away from home can probably consider the option of doing a day a week somewhere or two days or if it's client-based work it could be national so it does open up the market for a, a lot of people certainly does um Another question, Anthony, uh, diversity, I, that, that's obviously something that is very topical, but how exactly does that manifest itself with employers? 
hugely Stuart and it's I've really got to um take my hat off to the to the sector here because um you know there, there have been a, a number of commitments to to driving diversity uh driving social mobility within the world of accountancy and I have to say that you know certainly the clients that we're working with they have really really paid attention to that and they're delivering on uh on what they've uh what they've promised um we see a number of organisations now that don't actually look at look at CVs in that recruitment process anymore. Um, obviously, there are you know academic achievements that need to be um, that need to be met to to apply for some of these roles. But actually, I'm finding far more now that firms are looking at the individual and those skills that they bring to the business, not necessarily just from a technical perspective, but in terms of how well aligned they are and how their values are well aligned with with the businesses that they're working for. Um, we carried out. Um, a piece just recently with with a number of our clients um, within that audit space again actually and what came across really strongly there was that because we do have you know such diverse communities within the UK it's really important that the talent that are working in their um, in their audit teams can really reflect and and, and understand and empathize with their client base so having that diversity within the team really makes a difference in terms of the way that they work with uh, with their clients um, from an apprenticeship perspective, we've seen really significant growth um, within practice and actually more widely than that over recent years where you know, people are really recognising um, the importance in giving people an opportunity, the importance in not just recruiting from the, the traditional talent pools they would have done so. And the feedback in terms of loyalty, in terms of performance, in terms of the way that um, the people are grabbing these roles with both hands and really you know, committing themselves to being successful, it's, it's making a significant difference. Yeah, oh, that's interesting. Just just going back to the interview process, we'll we'll talk about it in a bit more detail. How does that sort of process work now when you're not using the CV as the main, uh, I suppose, the main piece of information on which to judge the candidate? It does differ from firm to firm, but certainly now there's a far greater emphasis on uh, on assessment centres where it's really about them demonstrating their broader skills and behaviours, their, their problem solving uh, skills, their communication skills, their ability to collaborate with, with others. So there's a big focus on those assessment centres now. Of course, CVs will still play a part in the, uh, in the process, but it's, um, it's a far broader uh, approach to recruitment now where it's not just looking at what it might say on a piece of paper, but it's actually looking at how those individuals can conduct themselves and how they um, demonstrate those, those core strengths that a business is looking for when recruiting. And you think that's that's driven by the diversity piece that the system that people were using before was almost uh, prohibitive and 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 sort of blocking out talent and not allowing people that could succeed in the organisations get through. I certainly do think that's true. I think that traditionally that recruitment process would be to you know to look at those academic credentials on a piece of paper, and it was really ruling out um, you know a lot of great talent that maybe hadn't had the same advantages that others had done through the schooling system, maybe didn't have the same breadth of contacts that, that others may have had. So actually by putting less emphasis on the uh, on the CV now and looking more widely at, um, you know, not just what it says on a piece of paper, not just what somebody may have achieved um, at their GCSEs or A-levels, but looking at that wider person and really looking at what they can bring to the business, that, that's certainly something that, uh, that we're seeing, you know, playing out within that process now. Mm -hmm. We did a really interesting podcast on diversity and inclusion. And what comes across strongly from that is that there is really good business sense in diversity and inclusion. It's, it's, not, a, it's not a label that, that should be used that, that has no meaning to it. It's not a fad. 
it's because you are genuinely looking for people that can I suppose, deliver value in the business. Absolutely. And I think, as you've just said, Stuart, this isn't just about, um, you know, diversity for the sake of diversity. There are real tangible business benefits to having that diverse workforce to really relate to and engage with, you know, a very, very mixed client base. I think that that makes a significant difference to the way that businesses are operating. You've sort of touched on it a little bit, but can we talk a little bit more specifically about the skills that they are looking for? Absolutely. I mean, I think there's now a far greater emphasis at an earlier stage of their career for uh, for trainees um, across all levels to, to engage with clients, to speak to clients, also to communicate with other senior managers, line managers, partners. So that ability to communicate information clearly the ability to, to analyse information, to draw conclusions from the information and then present that in a, in a palatable way is a really, really important skill to have. Another one that, that's vitally important is, um, is the ability to use technology. Uh, I think one of the real advantages of recruiting from, you know, certainly from that sort of school lever um, pool is that they are, you know, they are so technologically advanced that they're able to drive system improvements. They're able to to be really creative when it comes to the way in which businesses are using technology. Another one that that always comes through is the ability to collaborate, the ability to work as part of a team. Now, that could be um, in terms of working on a project internally, but it's also really important that people have got the ability to collaborate with their um, with their client base, the ability for it to really feel like a partnership that we're working together here. It's not just a, a client and a and supplier relationship. Yeah. So communication, technology, collaboration. Just just going back to the communication one. And this might be a question more for me than for you, I suppose, really. But how do you think they, the, the candidate can develop those skills? How is it, what's, what's the route to becoming good at communication, not from perhaps the more academic side, but from the more practical side? Um, often, actually, when I'm speaking to new trainees, I'll, I'll often ask them a little bit about their, um, about their backgrounds and how they came to secure their role. And a number of them will, will talk about Saturday jobs. They'll talk about, you know, working in retail. And, you know, there's, there's some really key skills that you wouldn't necessarily think, hmm, that means I'm going to be an accountant when I'm older. But that ability to deal with the general public, to, to become more confident when speaking to customers, I think that's a, that's a really, really important part of that journey, actually. Recognizing that um, that it won't be the same for everybody, but it may be that somebody's been you know part of a drama group for years, or they've they've been involved in in performance, and they've sort of built those skills to be able to you know confidently go up on a stage and and perform. So that's quite often another great way of developing those communication skills. I think it's it's not something you can teach. You know, I think it's it's really very much about um, trying to build that confidence, giving yourself as much exposure as you can do to to communicating. And recognising different types of communication, um, you know, whether it be professional communication, whether it be talking to your friends, recognising that professional difference of, of how you should conduct yourself and communicate within the workplace. It's when you say it's not something that you can that you can teach, but it's certainly something you can observe, isn't it? Just listening to say, what was it that Anthony said that was so impactful? And, and you don't have to write this down. You just sit and listen to good people, don't you? You know, in the office and even parents and brothers, sisters, you know, work colleagues. You're, you're, you're spot on there, Stuart. And actually a, a great point to make there is 
you know, when somebody enters the, the workplace, an awful lot of that learning is almost by osmosis. It's not it's not necessarily structured learning. But as you've said, it's observing what your other colleagues are doing. It's observing what your managers are doing. And as you've said, taking some of those really, really strong examples, I think that person's a great communicator. They always make things seem so simple. They always put their point across really well. That's what I want to be like. So absolutely by observing, by by understanding, by finding you know, really, really good uh, examples of, of best practice. It's, it's again, it's a great way for people to further develop those communication skills. Anthony, you talk about tech skills, technology skills. What sort of things are clients asking you for when you're talking to them? They must be able to do X or Y. I think one thing still absolutely is Excel skills. Having really strong, advanced Excel skills is, is very, very important. Outside of that, with the uh, with the introduction of so many different sort of cloud-based bookkeeping packages, with so many different accountancy softwares and apps, it's just having that that natural ability and almost that that sort of intuitive way of of understanding how they work. I'll use an example: somebody in my team um, who's an awful lot younger than I. Um, there's certain spreadsheets that I've used for for a number of years, and I've I've always thought, well. They do their job and she's been able to come in and say, well, actually, if we try to do that or if we use this or if we did this differently, it will be a lot more effective. So, you know, almost coming at it from a with a different point of view and being able to suggest ways to improve the way that things are done, processes are done, the way that technology is adopted and used uh, within the job role. It's um, it's a really, really important one. Confidence is, is significant, isn't it, in communication, the ability to speak up, to feel that you you have got something to add. And I think yeah. you bring a perspective that I think a lot of employers would, you know, I was going to say want to hear. I think they're desperate to hear, you know, what the kids are doing or what's happening in in, the, in younger generations because they're trying to appeal to them, not just as employees, but often as customers as well. Absolutely. And I think, you know, part of the onus is on leaders and managers to really give their their team members that safe space if they've got an idea. You know, to feel that they can challenge, that they can they can be creative and they can come forward. And it's yeah, I I, I completely um completely understand for somebody maybe just a couple of weeks into a role, they might not necessarily have that confidence. But um what I would say there is if you really know what you're talking about, and without wanting to generalize, but my experience is certainly that, that the younger generation are far more tech savvy than than perhaps somebody like myself, is to to you know, to really understand, you know, you've got value to add here. You know, anybody leading a team, managing a team loves to hear from their team members as to ideas and different ways of doing things. So, you know, my advice there would be if if, if you're confident in in your subject matter, if you're confident in, in what you're talking about, do make those suggestions, because, you know, certainly from my experience, they're always really welcomed. Can we can we talk about job availability, not on the spot as to, you know, what jobs have you got today type thing, but really the types of jobs, titles and roles that you're seeing out there absolutely um i mean what i would say for, from a level two perspective this is where somebody you know with an accountancy is really building those fundamental skills so there's a big emphasis on uh, developing double entry bookkeeping skills costing skills accounting software skills at that level we typically see sort of accounts admin type roles uh, accounts assistants payroll um, where somebody's gaining those fundamentals but still adding value uh, again through 
understanding those different accounting software packages and being able to utilize their technological skills. And are those the job titles, payroll officer, or because t- titles have changed a lot, haven't they? Do you know what I mean? And suddenly, the you know people are calling things different things. But I mean, you'd you'd still see things like your, your finance admin assistant, your accounts administrator, your, your payroll clerks, those those types of roles. Um, you know, the job title doesn't always necessarily sell the whole picture because there's you know really really exciting job roles out there that the job description or the job title doesn't necessarily always do it justice. We had a trainee, you know, very, very early on in their career, they were sort of traveling around the world working with a, with a Formula One team as, as part of an audit team. Um, another really interesting one actually is within the film and TV sector. Um, we've got production accountants, production accounts assistants who are, who are working on some, you know, big feature films or big TV series. You know, all of these big stars, all of these big, you know, whether they're famous footballers or, or movie stars or, or, um, YouTube stars these days they all need an accountant they all need somebody that's managing their money and understanding their money for them so there's some really interesting and exciting roles out there yeah it's quite interesting isn't it I I think uh, we tend to assume that finance sit within I don't know manufacturing grey environments and offices but um, it's not like that anymore it's absolutely not Um, what's really really important to recognize is that those you know not just those technical skills that you'll gain from um, from studying and completing your your accountancy qualifications but all of those wider skills you know we've mentioned some before around collaboration uh, and analytical skills and even your leadership skills that you will start to develop as you progress uh, they could take you into you know into a number of different options as you progress into more senior positions or they may well be skills that you use to, to transfer into a different sector altogether but one thing's for sure is that by really understanding finance, by really being able to get to the nuts and bolts of what a business does, it's going to really, really support that career progression, whatever direction it may go in. In the intro, I said that, you know, this is about people looking forward, you know, that they think that just qualifying with a level seven professional body is the ambition. But there's level two, there's level three, there's level four. These skills are valuable and, you know, you can set your own business up. There's all sorts of opportunities just with, you know, level two type finance skills. Absolutely, there is. And, and again, a really good point, Stuart. There's, you know, there are multiple stop off points throughout uh, throughout the world of accountancy qualifications. It may be actually that, that they run their own business already. Uh, they've got no ambition or, or no intention of becoming an accountant, but they just want to have a better understanding of finances. My name is Apurva Rawat and I'm a part qualified ACCA. I'm presently pursuing my post-graduation in global financial trading at London. Accountancy as a profession offers a broad horizon of careers that one can pursue, such as becoming a tax consultant, becoming an auditor, a financial manager, a management accountant, a banker, an insurer, an investment analyst, an investment banker, a business analyst, a risk analyst, a forensic accountant, a financial planner, a financial advisor, and so on. Provided that I presently have um, the experience of UK taxation, financial reporting and accounting, I would now like to explore the areas of investment and financial management to enhance my knowledge. Um, Anthony, I want to bring you back. You talked about level two job skills. What about threes and fours? What sort of 
job titles and skill levels have we got for those? We would typically see roles like assistant accountant, senior bookkeepers, payroll clerks, um, working within um, sort of as a finance assistant. So here there's a big emphasis on analysing accounts and records, assisting with preparing final accounts, supporting with uh, audit assignments, um, reconciling financial records. So we do see a number of level three roles within practice, but more widely than that, certainly significant demand for level three skills within the public sector, um, working with, with local authorities, working with NHS trusts, working for central government. There's a broad range of different types of roles out there. What sort of, what sort of roles are available for level four qualifiers? Within certain sectors, somebody that's completed their AAT or completed their level four qualification can move into to leadership positions, you know, as a, as a finance manager, as a, as a sort of senior finance managers. There's a big focus on compliance. There's a big focus on management accounting at level four as well, actually. So having that ability to understand how a business works, having the ability to be able to to analyze and then help a business to make decisions, you know, based on your insights and based on your expertise. We also see people, as, as we've said, that, that would potentially then move on and, and set up their own practices and run their own businesses once completing at level four. Um, Anthony, we talked about interviews almost from the employer's point and and sort of how they assess skills. What are your sort of observations on interview skills from the candidate's position? What sort of advice would you give for somebody who's looking at jobs online and uh, how they can best prepare for them? What's really, really important from a candidate perspective is to really thoroughly research the businesses that you're thinking about applying for jobs with. Have a look at their mission statement. Have a look at the company values. You know, go on LinkedIn. See if they've been in any any recent news articles. Uh, there's a website uh, called Glassdoor which you can go on, which gives you a really good overview of of, of a business and and feedback from from current and previous members of staff. And I think what's really important when when going into an interview, um, you know, quite often one of those first interview questions will be what what do you know about the business? What do you know about the company? What made you apply for the role? And really what people are looking for from that question is not just about being able to recite a few facts about the business. I don't know, established in 1980, but what really what really helps somebody to stand out is if they've gone to the trouble of really understanding you know the the fabric of that business the culture of that business actually from a first first perspective to make sure that that fits with what you're looking for in terms of your career you don't want to be applying for a role where maybe the the cultural values of of that organization don't align with with what you're looking for within your employer but then once you've done that and you're in that interview situation really do bring that research to the fore and talk about you know maybe do you know what um, this business is really really keen on sustainability is really really committed to, to being a sustainable business that's something that's really really important to me and it's about demonstrating your you know not necessarily technical competency but just from your from your own behaviors from from your own outlook on on your career how that would add value to the business that you're you're potentially apl- applying for for that role and so look it's been um it's been brilliant i think sort of in particular it's useful to to take a, a view of the market periodically and have a look at what what people are asking, and I think it's it's quite an exciting time. If if I've understood broadly around what you've been saying, is that a career in finance can be varied. It can lead to jobs outside those sort of more traditional roles. There's technical skills alongside with those all important communication, teamwork skills as well, and it helps if if you 
are aligned with the values of the organisation, you know, in simple terms, because you will have a happier work-life balance. If there was one last question that I could sort of ask you, Anthony, uh, if he was a school leaver, it was about thinking about a career in finance, what, what would your advice be? I think first and foremost is that you know, it that it's a really rewarding um, career opportunity for you. Um, you know, as we've discussed throughout this this podcast, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be an accountant for the rest of your life. What it does mean is that you're going to be developing skills, you're going to be developing knowledge that's going to set you up um, to be successful in the future. And what I would say, Stuart, it's not necessarily just just for school leavers. Uh, we're seeing from an apprenticeship perspective, real investment in career changes as well. So this isn't just about people that have uh, that have just left school. Um, there's actually a, a large government department we're working with at the moment who have uh, who have just recruited a new intake of apprentices, and they're all they're all over thirty, and they've all come from from different vocations uh, and successful vocations as well, but have have decided that accountancy is the career they want to pursue. There's significant demand. There are so many job opportunities within the world of accountancy at the moment. What we're seeing on a, on a year by year basis is a greater investment in in people entering the profession at a, at an earlier stage, gaining their professional qualifications, and being supported all the way through to develop those um, those really key um, fundamental technical skills alongside and, and as well as those wider business skills, those wider business behaviours that are going to help you to, to thrive and, and to be successful. Just looking out, where do I go to have a look for, for apprenticeship opportunities? I'd certainly point you to the AAT website where we have somewhere in the region of 100 vacancies currently live with employers. Uh, there's the National Apprenticeship Service website. Um, you will find vacancies on places like get my first job you will find vacancies on places like not going to uni i will name check kaplan here as well because kaplan also advertise a number of apprenticeship roles for young people that are um that are looking to take those first steps into their accountancy career so there's an awful lot of advice out there um there's a number of ways that you can find out more about apprenticeships through the apprenticeships website through a website called amazing apprenticeships um, and as i've mentioned already there's a lot of resource available for you there on the aat website to get more information anthony thanks for joining me today thank you very much Stuart. thank you for listening to kaplan's learn better podcast if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and don't forget to rate and review on Apple Podcasts to help more people find us. Let's continue the conversation. Follow us on social at Kaplan UK and let us know what you'd like to hear discussed on future episodes.